Good morning and welcome to the Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ message and uh, to all of our members we're grateful to see you and to be with you and for all of our viewers that are guests thank you for tuning in and uh, we look forward to opening our doors very soon and of course being together singing together praying together and our prayers are continually for those who are suffering with COVID-19. Today I want to talk to you about what the whole story of the Bible is. And if you were going to put it in a succinct statement, it would be something like this. What is the message of the Bible? It would be something like this. The creation and salvation of humanity through Christ to God's glory. Let me say that again. It is the creation and salvation of humanity through Christ to God's glory. But when we think about creation and then when we think about salvation, what is salvation? That word comes with so many different concepts and thoughts. And, and certainly we can think of it as one is geography. We would rather be in heaven than, of course, somewhere else. But what does salvation mean? How does it work? What's it all about? And salvation is what we need. And we know that Christ is at the center of that story of salvation. In fact, when you look at the word, the name Jesus in Matthew 121, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So his name is a derivation of Joshua, which is Savior. Jesus is at the center of that story of salvation. It says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came into the world to save sinners. So, Saving, salvation is at the center of the story, and that's in Christ Jesus. But what does it mean? How do we understand the how of salvation? And over time and through the scriptures, there's different words that have been revealed to us. And so this is the beginning of a series in trying to understand what salvation is all about. And the pictures, the words that scriptures give us to be able to understand salvation. So some of those words are reconciliation, redemption, regeneration, and justification. And so today, we're going to dive into that idea of justification. What does that mean? What is God trying to communicate to us through the idea of justification, being saved and justified before God. In the scriptures and in life, we've all seen where the legal system has been used and needed. And sometimes it's been used for good and sometimes it's been used for bad and, and the courts are clogged up, aren't they? But many cases come before judges, and judges decide, and juries decide on things. I once heard of a case in 1991 where Richard Overton, 
sued Anheuser-Busch for $10,000. And the reason why he sued Anheuser-Busch is because of false advertisement. He saw that in the beer commercials, there were all these beautiful women. And so he thought that if he drank beer, then he would have the same lifestyle as presented in those commercials. Unfortunately, uh, his case was promptly dismissed. Or I heard about a woman by the name of Melissa Cooper who, sur who sued her former fiancé for $50,000 for breaching a promise. You see, her fiancé and father to one of her children gave her a ring worth $10,000, and then after 10 years, decided to marry someone else. And so she argued in court, or her attorney did, that he had breached the promise of marriage by marrying someone else. And in fact, she wins $50,000. What does this tell us? Well, all of us desire justice. When someone is done wrong, when something bad happens, when something's not fair, when something's not equitable, we begin to ask for justice, don't we? And, and at the root of the word of justification is that word justice or just, which means goodness. In fact, Jesus tells a story of a widow in Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8, who is wanting to be vindicated, who's wanting justice. And Jesus paints this picture of this evil judge who at last gives this widow justice because of her perseverance. And Jesus gets to the point and he says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So if the evil judge will reward the widow for her perseverance, how much more will our good God give us justice at the very end? The old prophet Amos, in Amos 5, 24, let justice run like a water and righteous like a mighty stream. So one of the illustrations, one of the metaphors, one of the pictures that God gives us to salvation is that word justification. And what is justification? Justification is the declaration or proclamation of a person being just or righteous. And it's a legal term. It's about acquittal from the penalty of the law. In Romans, it says it like this in chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul uses this word justified, justification, in describing the process of salvation. What does it reveal to us, this idea of justification? Well, for one thing, it reveals the righteousness of God. That God is at the center of goodness. In fact, God is the essence of rightness. 
It says that in God there is no darkness at all. And it shows His holiness and His sovereignty. Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says concerning the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But then it says, for therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. As it is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel message, salvation reveals the goodness and justness and righteousness of God. Justification also shows our own responsibility, that humanity has a responsibility to God, that man has a responsibility to each other. And in fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 2, 1, therefore we are without excuse because of our obligation and responsibility to one another. And it also shows justification that there is going to be judgment. That God is a good God. God is a just God. And God will one day pronounce judgment for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it says, to receive the things done in our bodies, whether they be good or bad. So justification begins to center us into our legal standing before a good God. So it tells us, number one, there is the law of God. And God's character is the source of this law. If you look at the Ten Commandments, it begins in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, by flowing from who God is. And that's why the first commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So God is the center of the law. It comes from His very nature. He is the essence of rightness. He is the essence of righteousness, of justice, and of goodness. And when I begin to look at my standing with rightness, when I begin to look within myself in the goodness of God, I find that I have not kept the law. And that is what sin is. Sin, 1 John 3, 4, is the transgression of the law. The word sin literally means missing the mark. So what God has intended for me to do, I have not done it. I have missed the mark. In fact, 1 John 3, 4 says, sin is lawlessness. That I have abandoned the law. I've transgressed the law. And because of that, I'm a sinner. What does sin look like? How is sin described? Well, there's two forms of sin. The first one being one of commission. In other words, things I have done or said which are contrary to the will and law of God. So I've acted in a way which is contradictory to that. I have broken one of those commandments. 
There's also the sin of omission. Many times we focus on the sin of commission, the act, but also God says in James chapter uh, 3, or James chapter 4, 17, that if any man knows to do something good and doesn't do it, it's a sin. And so if I know that I have a responsibility, if I know there's something good I can do, and I don't do it, then I've omitted an obligation to, to, to someone or to God. And so I can sin either by doing something or not doing something. But that sin that I have committed comes from within me. I'm responsible for it. In fact, James says it like this, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it is full grown, brings death. So James says that sin begins inside of our desires. And it gives birth to it. And then it falls to death. And what we find out is that all of us are sinners. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when I begin to think about the goodness of God, His holiness, His righteousness, His rightness, I find that I miss the mark with God, with his character, with his law. Which requires that number two, I need justification. I need to be made right with God. So how is that? How does that happen? It happens through the intercession, the mediation of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. One of the things that's interesting when you begin to think about Jesus' crucifixion is that it, his execution was a legal proceeding. First, he was tried by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, and the high priest, and then turned over to Pilate and to the Roman law. And so what we find is, even though Christ is falsely convicted, this sin of rejection that happens in the courts becomes our acceptance. Because Jesus is rejected. Because Jesus is convicted. You and I become acquitted. And so there's this act of substitution that happens in the cross of Jesus, that Jesus substitutes his own life for the guilty. What's interesting about this, and so profound, is that this literally happens in the trial of Jesus. In fact, all four of the Gospels record the exchange that happens with the prisoner Barabbas. Barabbas is described as a notorious 
prisoner, an insurrectionist, a murderer. And Pilate gives the people a choice. He says, either I will let go of Barabbas or Jesus, commonly called the paschal pardon. And so the innocent Christ is convicted by the people, whereas the guilty Barabbas is let go. And that is the very picture of justification. That Christ makes right, that Christ substitutes his own life for my guilt. The scriptures foretell this in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Mark 10, 45, that he gave his life a ransom for many. I need justification. I need to be made right with God. And Jesus' death and crucifixion on the cross is where that rightness begins to happen. How am I justified? I'm justified through faith in Christ. I am relieved of the penalty of sin by being justified through faith. Romans chapter 5 one says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. The way that we have access and peace and justification is through faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. And that's the story of justification that scriptures offers us. Paul recounts in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham is justified by faith. That Abraham, it says, believed God and was imputed, it was reckoned unto him righteousness. Because of his faith, because of his trust, he is made right with a just God. I can't make myself right. My works can't make myself right. Only Christ can do that. Isaiah describes our righteousness as filthy rags before the Lord. You see, Jesus kept the law. Jesus lived the perfect, righteous life. And because of his life and death, I am declared and proclaimed righteous when I give myself to God in faith and obedience. 1 John 2.1 says, Now we have an advocate, that word advocate, a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous the one who makes intercession, the one who mediates for us, the one who gives us that righteous stance before God, a holy God, is Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27 says, Now we are all children of God through faith, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And what's interesting is, is that faith is, 
and obedience. Faith and baptisms are two sides to the same coin. We're children of God through faith, and as, as many have put on Christ, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Through faith and obedience, I'm made right with God. But I have to accept the terms of that pardon. I have to accept that pardon. There's a story, another story of a court case. And it's not about Anheuser-Busch or a fiancé done wrong. But a man by the name of Robert Wilson who robbed a U.S. mail cart. And after he was tried, he was pardoned by Andrew Jackson. But Robert Wilson did something very strange. He did not accept the pardon. In the court, the case went all the way up to the Supreme Court where Justice Marshall said that there was nowhere in the law that made someone accept pardon. And so he accepted the penalty of the law even though he had been pardoned. He didn't accept what was done for him. And the same is true for us with our sin. The only way that we can be pardoned from our sin is to accept what Christ has done for each of us. The story of the Bible is the story of the creation and salvation of humanity through Christ to God's glory. It's in Christ that we see His goodness. It's in Christ that we see His love. It's in Christ that we see at what links God will do to save us. It's the most beautiful story there is, isn't it? As we begin to think about what Christ has done for each of us, God has given us a feast to remember. Christ instituted it on the night in which he was betrayed, the day before he was crucified. It's the Lord's Supper. And the bread represents his body, his pure life, his righteousness. And so as we partake of this bread, let's think about the righteousness of Christ. And that Christ has exchanged his righteousness for our sins in the cross. And has substituted his own life for me and you. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this bread which represents the body of Jesus which was broken. Help us to remember what you have done for each of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The scriptures tell us that there is life in the blood. And for us to have eternal life, blood was shed for our sins. Let's pause and reflect on what Christ has done for us. Father God, thank you for your son Jesus, who loved us and shed his own innocent blood that we might be free from sin. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.
thank you so much for joining us today and exploring the awesome subject of salvation that God has saved us, has rescued us, has justified us, has made us right with himself. What a beautiful picture that is through Jesus. God bless you in the coming week. And next week we will examine a new picture that describes the greatness of salvation that we all enjoy. God bless you this week.